Support for Class Dismissed comes from School Status. School Status is the only K-12 data analytics platform designed to turn analysis into engagement. To learn more about how School Status can change your school district, head over to schoolstatus.com. You are listening to Class Dismissed, Episode 62, and I'm your host, Nick Ortigo. New research shows the most effective teachers do this one simple thing, why a Maryland school is doing class rotations for kindergartners, And if teachers could travel back in time and give advice to themselves just before they started teaching, what would that advice be? Stay with us. Class Dismissed is the podcast that inspires educators through story. Each week, we cover some of the hottest topics and news in the world of education. Plus, we speak with a guest with a bright idea for education that you can apply in your community. This week, we're talking about PledgeSense, the fundraising platform for teachers that doesn't charge a fee. Hello, everybody. Nick Ortigo here, and I'm joined by teacher extraordinaire, Alyssa Pruitt, and education data expert, Russ Davis of School Status. Russ, how are you doing? Great. Alyssa, are you, are you going to make it? <laughs> I'm here, guys. It's your uh, first, first week. week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back at school. Yeah. And and just before we started recording, you said, Nick, do you know how many te- students I'm teaching? And I was like, don't tell me. I'm going to ask you in the show. So no, here we you are. said you were going to guess. Oh, are we going to guess? Okay. I'm <laughs> going to guess um, 466. No. Russ? Is Russ playing? I don't think it's fair for Russ to play guessing games. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always trying well, to get Russ out of the I- game. Is it it's is it less than two hundred? I think it's uh, less than one hundred and fifty, probably. Right. Russ is checking like wrong. He's checking in school status right now, and he's looking up your profile to see seven hundred and twenty. No, but seven twenty. Wow. Seven hundred twenty. That's a lot. That's yeah. a lot of kids, guys. Seven hundred and twenty kids come through my classroom in a week. In a week. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. I see seven hundred and twenty a week. So that's that's more cattle call. Than anything, isn't it? Like, how, how I beg your you... pardon. My classroom is not like I'm just moving them through. No, I mean, 720 kids. There's a logistics issue of X number of hours a day. And mm-hmm. do you know well, all their names yet? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I've been writing them down on seating charts, and I definitely refer to it very slyly, so they think I know their name, but nope. Um, but you know what? That's what's amazing as an art teacher is I'm, I'm I mean, to do one activity. I need 720 pieces of paper, you know, how and the, then I, the supplies turn out and then I have to do that over and over yeah. and over. I mean, it's a lot. That's why, unfortunately, art programs get canceled. Even the music teacher across the hall from me, you know, she sees the same amount of students, yeah. but it's a music lesson. So there's no consumable materials yeah, yeah, being like just burned alive. Yeah. Like getting thrown out every day. Right. And so I just, it does, it concerns me the the amount the the type of projects I want to do, you right. know, it does concern me. But all the kids have been super sweet, and they love my classroom and the makeover that I did in there. And so it's it's been a great great start. The purge, you mean? You did a purge, I believe. <laughs> well, have you heard of Pledge Sense? No. It's similar to Donors Choose, and we have the CEO of the show on today. So I definitely so need to check tuned. it out. Yes. <laughs> They're going to help me get supplies. In your life. Yes. yes. So let's go ahead and uh, jump into the teacher's lounge, Lissa. Anything going down in the uh, world of education? Yes. So a study done by Northwestern, it was actually a five-year study over 14 different primary schools, says it's better to ask advice than to, than to worry 
that you look weak by asking a colleague. So in the world of teaching, they they studied lots of different schools and over five years, not based wholly on test scores, by the way, before anybody rolls their eyes, um, but just student achievement and and aptitude and um, even overall effectiveness, they found that the teachers that ask other teachers for advice and even just on a basic, like very specific level, like how do you teach, you know, common denominators? You know, how do you teach blah, 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 that those teachers are more successful? I mean, I would believe it, and but it's nice to know that there's a study mm-hmm. to kind of back that up. But But you tell me as a teacher, do you find a lot of teachers are afraid to ask colleagues because they're afraid of the reaction they may get? I have worked at schools before where, yeah, it's not that they're afraid. It's just that they, maybe they just kind of pat themselves on the back that they are the, you know, the English guru. They know everything about English. And, you know, so they're the ones that are not going to go ask, which the study actually proves to show that they're actually not as effective as they think they are. So they need to branch out. Um, But then there's also, you know, the teachers that are, not going to go ask because they don't want it to look like they don't have it together when, when it's okay to ask. Um, and then I like the school I'm at now, obviously you guys know, I just did like a week and a half of teacher in services and such. And so I got to see a lot that really didn't apply to my classroom. And at the school I am now, there is a lot of communication. It's amazing. And I really sat back in one of the meetings that was math. I just happened to bop in since I used to teach math and I thought, gosh, I wish I had had that. Like, I, I really wish I had had it. They they plan together. They actually all give the same assessment on a certain week. You know, they say, okay, on week four, this is the assessment we're going to give. It's not, they don't do all assessments the same, but they do one common assessment that's kind of a catch-all assessment in math, for example. And then they get together after school and meet and say, okay, what was our most missed problem? What was our least missed problem? And 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 they analyze that performance, and then they ask each other, okay, well, how did you teach that skill? And then did you introduce it with this, or with a story, or with whatever? And they figure out, they even look at the kids' tests and figure out common mistakes, and they're just kind of like this army, you know? <laughs> like, it's amazing. Um, and so it's not based on standardized test scores. It's based on what's going on in each classroom. And then ha- and then they all share ideas across their classrooms. Now that you've read this story, have you had time to self-reflect? Do you Are you the person who maybe wouldn't have asked for advice? Okay, no. I, I probably annoy people because I do okay. ask advice a lot, especially That's like... It's a bit of a loaded question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no right answer. <laughs> but even like now, you know, I'm the only art teacher at my school. So who am I going to ask advice from? But on Instagram, there's some great art teachers. One that comes to mind is Two Art Chambers. She's amazing. That I follow on Instagram because there is no other second and third grade art teacher that I can talk to that's at my school but I follow several on Instagram and and two art chambers does a great job by responding back to people. Like there are tons of art teachers that ask her, what did you use for that? What is that? Is that a Sharpie or is that India ink? And she responds back. So yeah, I feel like if you're asking, you're only getting better. Russ, I think you've got an interesting story out of Maryland dealing with the kindergartners. We do. I want to take a step back, just provide a little background before we get into the story. So... I was unaware until I read this story 
that class assignment in some places is different. So the way I'm most uh, familiar with class assignment is that some sort of administrator or grade chair or something like that goes through a list of kids and assigns them to teachers based upon whatever need or randomness or something like that. There's an article in Ed Week. Uh, it's, it's actually a couple years old, but it was talking about the school district in, in uh, Montgomery County, Maryland. And whenever, you know, whenever kindergarten kids come in for the first time, they don't know a whole lot about them, right? So that, you know, it's kind of a mystery for that particular grade because they just haven't had any experience in the school system. And so what they do that instead of just randomly assigning kids to different classes, they actually take the classes and rotate those kids in and out of every kindergarten class in the school. And that way the, the teachers can get to know the kids and they can participate in the assignment process, like who gets what child in what class. So we don't have a classroom full of, you know, super loud talkers. We don't have a classroom full of kids that are way ahead of other kids. There's more of a, a balance. It's like jury selection for kindergartners. Um, yeah, it, it's a little bit like that. I think it's interesting because... You know, with kindergarten kids, usually you want to set them on a routine pretty quickly, right? Um, you know, you, you really want them to focus on, you know, getting the routine down, getting in the class. This is your teacher. These are your friends. Are they going to be in your class? And so uh, the truth is, is that they find that this method works better. They call it the switcheroo uh, simply because the teachers are able to, to better prepare a class or to, to create a more diverse class that has a good selection of kids from, you know, a wide, uh, a wide range of uh, backgrounds. And so they're able to get to know kids a lot more. Most elementary schools bring kids in during an orientation process. And so they bring them in in groups of eight to 10 and they give brief, brief assessments, um, you know, while their, while their parents fill out their enrollment paperwork and that sort of thing. But, um, this is this way uh, all kids get to participate in that process because not all kids participate during the kindergarten orientation process. Does that make sense? Okay, I have a question. So you're saying all of the student body, the first week of school rotates through as far as kindergarten, all of the kindergartners rotate through the first week of school and then they decide, okay, you guys are in Miss Barnes's class and you guys That's are correct. in. That is so fascinating. I did not catch that at first. I, I, and I, under, I understand what you're saying as far as when you do kindergarten roundup, not everybody comes. And, and then so you get your classes evenly dispersed. And then you have, like you said, 20% of people show up and you don't know anything about them. And so this is interesting, especially even not, not just with who knows what, because you're always going to have a mix within a class of as far as who already knows how to do their letters and sounds and who doesn't. Um, but also just to see how well certain students will shut down around certain personality types, you know? I mean, this so, is... So you don't feel like this is like a, a time suck, a waste of a week? Or I don't anything. think so. The first week, I mean, I'm in the middle of my first week of school right now, and and it is so much about learning transitions. And this is how we go to this activity. And this is what she expects when you're in her class. And this is how we do this. And there's so much that's all about just this is how we do school that it's not necessarily, hey, you have spelling words, you know, hey, you got to know this letter by the end of the week. So I think it's actually a pretty good idea. Well, what they're saying is it gives people back the time that they would spend regrouping kids. Like there's going to be a time suck anyway at some point where they're going to have to go through their class and regroup everybody and, and you know, recreate their small groups and things like that. They're just, it's front loaded. They're just trying to get that, 
you know, out of the way early. Something that I thought was really interesting is that they the, there's a quote in the article that says, "quote We literally designed flip charts with times of the times at the top for exactly what we should be doing at exactly the same time every day." So they have some consistency across all their classrooms, so that they're not teaching something a little differently, or you know, they have a a lot of structure to it. So the kids are getting the same experience in all the classrooms, so that whenever they do start in the kind of their static, you know, uh, configuration then they don't have to go back and, and reteach or anything like that. So they're trying to make it as efficient as possible. I think it's worth, you know, I think it's worth an experiment. You know, I, I think, you know, I, I don't think it, this is one of those things that we like to, to bring to the podcast because it's not terribly difficult to implement and it's probably not going to have, you know, if you screw it up, it's probably not going to have a lot of long lasting, you know, side effects. So I would encourage a, a school district out here to start planning for next year. Uh, and start looking into this process. It seems pretty fascinating. Lissa, since you're not on Twitter, I have a question for you. If you could go back in time and give advice to yourself before your first year of teaching, what piece of advice would you give yourself? Just one piece. Uh, give the kids a break. Give the kids a break. That's what I would give to myself, yeah. yeah. What do you mean by that? I think, you know, new teachers, or I, I guess I should just say myself, as a new teacher, I did a lot of planning on the front end. So because I put so much work into it ahead of time, then I, then I expected everything to go very well. And I, you know, I planned, I probably over planned and I over corrected and I over, you know, did it. And so I think back on now that I've taught as long as I've taught, I look back on times where I was probably a little more rigorous than I should have been. And maybe just realized that these are kids like, you know, instead of being like, what? They just messed up my lesson because they're goofing off. But I mean, that's what kids do. So probably just give them a bit of a break because it's it's amazing to me how much kids are learning when they look like they're not learning. <laughs> like they're, right. you're like, there's no way that kid got that. And then you ask the child, so what we, did I just say? And then they repeat everything you just said. <laughs> we asked Twitter um, that question, like to, to teachers through our, our Twitter um, class dismiss pod. And um, we actually got a lot of responses, a little thanks to uh, Russ for helping kick it out there. But um, I mean, I was really impressed with some of the returns we got. So I'm just going to kind of read through what these people who are, you know, either retired teachers, active teachers, superintendents in some cases, um, kind of what they said. If something really, you know, like hits you, go ahead and speak up. But uh, Sarah Christine wrote, connect with colleagues, listen and learn, but don't be afraid to be bold and do you. Um, Joel Bazaar, Joel, uh, was one of our guests, um, back, he was the one who had the, uh, the book for the math class. Remember the novel mm -hmm. for the math class? Mm -hmm. He wrote, um, kids first, content second, and maybe even lower, but kids first, which is kind of what you were saying. What I'm saying, right. Yeah. Um, Susie Dillard, friend of the show, uh, talk with every student individually during the first few days, share your story, observe rockstar teachers, which kind of goes in line with what you were saying at the top of the show, Lissa, um, ask them to observe you with feedback, attend student games, programs, and events. How important is that in your opinion? I think it's pretty important. Yeah. Yeah. Attending those extra events. If you can. Yeah. And definitely. I think it's community, right? Yeah. And even if you couldn't attend, ask about it the next week. Hey, how did that go? Even though you couldn't go, ask how it went. Yeah, that's good. Um, I like this one. Toby Price, he said, schoolwork is like laundry. You don't ever finish. You'll get caught up, but never done. Use that to know this. Pace yourself each day and night. Work hard, but unplug and recharge just as hard. Yeah, that's a good one. 
Um, Teresa Jenny uh, from Lamar County says, uh, I wouldn't care so much if my room was ready for the first day of school or if it looks biffy. Kids just want to know that you genuinely genuinely care for them. It doesn't matter uh, what's on the walls or what theme you went with. You should add student work and anchor charts to the walls. Chad Shealy, superintendent, uh, says, don't take angry comments personally. Hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. It's never really about what it appears to be about. Don't talk. Listen. And he said, I, I tell myself to write and mail welcome to my class postcards before my students arrived and make positive calls early. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, um, I got an email um, through school status software, by the way, from one of my son's teachers that was just like, hey, you know, so glad to be teaching your student. And I thought that was really cool. Like, I thought it was nice to have a teacher reach out to me. Um, so kudos to you. Yeah, I don't, I don't really understand how more schools don't do that. Like, you know, how a child can just walk in the classroom kind of blind and until like the open, what is it called? Meet the teacher. I mean, a parent night. Is that what you mean? Yeah, parent night. um, Open house. usually like a month in. Open house is usually Yeah, that's a month in. But meet the teacher is usually two days before school. Yeah, I I really think um, my child's entering a a pre-K program this year, pre-K three. And we got a, a postcard from their teacher, you know, from her teacher saying, hey, we're excited to have you and let's get this thing going. You know, like it was, you know, it's really kind of nice. And, um, you know, I don't understand why most school districts don't just print those off with the student's name pre-slugged on the right so that, man, you could take a magic marker in an afternoon and maybe 30, 45 minutes and knock out maybe not 700 but you can knock out, uh, you know, quite a few of those. And I, I think it makes a difference, right? Because it gets a kid excited, like, this person wants me to be there. You know what every, I mean? Every place I've worked except for one has required either a call or a house visit or a piece of mail before school starts. Gotcha. Um, so, well, maybe I mean, it's more widespread than I, than I yeah, first thought. Yeah, but, but now there was one place that never said anything about it. So, you know, but I do think it's important. I, I um, remember when we did the story on the people that the teacher that goes to visit every single one of her students. And, um, that has, you know, I had not heard of that, um, before that show, but the teachers at my school, there are several that went and visited every single student. And I thought, wow, that's so cool. Cause yeah. Why did you do that? 740. Yeah. 720. I know I need to do that, but I do take it upon myself as the art teacher to try to make positive contact. I actually try to keep, record of each class and and each Friday I try to send out positive emails to the parents based on something I've seen in their child in my class just because it's easy if you have them in a supplementary area it's easy to you know find something positive to say to where there has been a positive comment at least if not from just the art teacher before the math teacher has to make contact about something. Lisa, if there was only a platform, like a, a place online for you to be able to send those electronically, maybe? I do. Like That's system, what I'm saying. A I, system of tracking it. <laughs> oh, you mean on school status? I can I can yes. keep track of who I've already sent to and who I haven't? Absolutely. Well, can. I do send through school status, but I don't know. So you're saying I can scan a roster and say, oh, I haven't sent one to Emilio's mom. I need to do you something. Can, if you go to the communications module, you can see who you have and have not uh, sent a message to. Okay, I like it. Gerald Loden, uh, he says, my advice would be the value of having a great mentor your first year and mentors throughout your career. Additionally, realizing that you will never be perfect, but you can be better today than you were yesterday. 
And um, Tim Scott says, you're neither as good as you think on your good days, nor as bad as you think on your bad days. You'll never completely figure it all out. Love the kids and do your best, which I like that, you know. Um, And then uh, Steve Webb says, invest in relationships, 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 students to learning, students to students, students to staff, staff to staff, staff to parent community. Um, and oh, and then I also put it on uh, Reddit and somebody replied, build a network with fellow teachers. This is especially important once you realize that not every principal or administrator has your back. So it was work with your colleagues, but maybe in a more sinister way. But what do you guys think? Good advice? I think that's I'm great. impressed. Yeah I, yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah. I think this is the time of year to ask for good advice. Like you get to three weeks before, you know, Thanksgiving break and it may be survive. Just survive, right? Like persevere, make it all the way through, you know. So I think this is my favorite time of year because you know all the pencils are sharpened and people are you know upbeat and everybody's wearing their best new clothes and you know everybody's ready to go and learn and you know you fast forward a few months and some of the sh- the newness and the shininess weren't off, but um, it's exciting. It's exciting time. Yes. Um, well, are you guys ready for the uh, bright idea? Yeah. Let's do it. We are talking about. Pledge Sense. And uh, if you haven't heard of it, stay tuned. Our guest in the Bright Idea segment is Andy Shea Saberian. He is the co founder and CEO of Pledge Sense. Pledge Sense is a fundraising platform for educators, churches, youth sports, and student organizations. Andy Shea, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Nick. There are several crowdfunding platforms out there that many of our listeners are familiar with. You have GoFundMe, which is kind of broad. Um, Anybody can really set something up. It's not education-specific. There's DonorsChoose.org. But what makes PledgeSense stand out is that you guys don't charge a platform fee. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah, exactly. One of our uh, early mottos since we started was um, and is every cent counts, meaning Every cent an educator, a student, a parent, a principal, whoever it be, raises on pledge sense um, is going to make a, a positive impact for their community, their classroom, their school. Uh, and so we have a 0% platform fee. Uh, and then we also uh, don't refund the money if they don't meet their goal. So other sites, if you have a goal of $1,000 and you raise $999, um, they'll refund the 999 to everyone who donated. Whereas with us, you still keep that money. Um, so it's, uh, it's really allows our teachers to have much more flexibility um, in terms of uh, not being afraid to, to raise as low as $50 to as high as however many thousands of dollars they want to uh, to help their students. I imagine somebody listening would probably say, okay, well, how do you even pull that off if there's not really, if you're not kind of taking a little bit off the top there for yourselves? Yeah, so we, we have a couple of different ways that, you know, we generate revenue ourselves. Um, one is uh, we have a marketplace where we work with about 80 leading education technology companies, um, subscriptions, you know, uh, hardware is like Nearpod, Classcraft, LittleBits, et cetera. Um, and essentially we work with them and they, they will pay us to, to be with our, uh, be partners with our platform. And then also we have what we call a tipping model. And the tipping model essentially is um, gives the the person who contributes. We call them investors, not donors. So it gives the investors uh, the opportunity and transparency of saying, "Look, I want to give a hundred dollars. I want to know a hundred percent of my money is going to go to Miss Johnson's classroom. Um, but if you want to, you also have the option to tip our platform an additional, you know, dollar, two dollars, whatever you feel like, or nothing." 
Um, but that is kind of how we are able to sustain our platform, keep it growing, and be able to impact more classrooms and, and students. Uh, I may be putting you on the spot, but do you know offhand how much money you guys have helped raise? Uh, we are now closing in on uh, a little over $2 million. Wow. Um, and, and so yeah. what's, what's your history? When and, and how did you guys get started? So we, yeah, so we started um, a beta site in 2014, uh, and the whole premise of it was how do we just you know basically build a kickstarter but for educators um and if you can't use donor shoes because you're a private school teacher or you're a principal or you're a pta president or so forth um but you still want to go through all the you know the the protocols with nonprofit fundraising um what do you do uh and so we started 2014 with a beta site ran that for about a year and then in 2015 2016 was really our first full school year out um, and working with schools. And we started uh, piloting with KIPP schools in Houston because that's where we're based out of. Um, and Mike Feinberg, who's the co-founder of KIPP, was one of our early advisors. And so that's kind of how where we got our our early start. Uh, and fast forward to now, we've uh, helped raise over $2 million, helped you know, impact over a million students through the platform and work with a little over 4,000 different schools, nonprofits, um, after-school organizations, PTAs, booster clubs, et cetera. What's a fundraising story that that maybe um, sticks out in your mind where you step back and said, "This is exactly why I started this company." You know, I think um, a, a year ago or two years ago, when I was asked that question, my my answer was different. I think uh, now my answer goes to you know we're from Houston, and you know obviously last year with Hurricane Harvey hitting home, um, like my parents' house was flooded, right, and a lot of my friends their their homes are flooded and so forth as well. Um, and so when Harvey hit, uh, two of our district partners in Houston, KDISD and Spring Branch ISD, um, we, we really scrambled around and put together fundraising, uh, a page for them to raise money because they had displaced students. They had faculty, um, who couldn't go back home, you know, their schools, some of them were flooded. There was just a lot of situations going on, unfortunately, and collectively, uh, the two of us. Uh, with Kip Houston Public Schools as well, you know, we raised almost three, four hundred thousand um, dollars for their districts and for their students, uh, and that was just through pledges. And then they did, you know, some other outside kind of grant fundraising as well. But I think that was what hit home to us because, you know, being able to help our own community out when probably the the biggest time it's ever needed it, um, and we were able to be around to do that was was awesome. Because then we had schools from. Atlanta, New York, Jersey, D.C., Seattle would call us and be like, hey, you know, our students are doing their own car wash and they're raising money for uh, this uh, fundraising page for Spring Branch or for Katie or for Kip. uh, And we're going to send you guys the money so you can give it out to them. And so it really was that whole sense of people coming together from anywhere um, and helping out. And we were, you know, very honored to be the vehicle to do all that. That That is fantastic. Now, I, I was doing some reading and I read that, I don't know if you want to call it a side project or, or some another initiative that you're working on um, called Teachers Are Professionals. And I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I'm interpreting this is, is your plan is to basically use collective buying power of teachers. So like if you say want a specific uh, technology device, Maybe all the teachers can kind of pull and, and get that device at a discount. Am, am I doing talking about that right? You, you are, yeah. So uh, Alice Keeler, um, who I'm sure obviously you're familiar with, and and, and listeners are probably are. Uh, we we started talking about 
four or five months ago about an idea. And really, it was just about a lot of frustration. Uh, and the biggest frustration was, you know, why are teachers not treated as professionals? You know, why do teachers not have business cards? Why do teachers get expected to pay out of their own pocket for pens and papers when in any other industry, uh, you know, the intern who's coming in for just the summer doesn't even have to pay for their stuff? Um, you know, small stuff like this and the frustration around it. So, you know, we started thinking and saying, look, is there something we can do that's not being done? And more so, instead of just creating a really fun hashtag and getting people to follow it, um, can we actually do something with it? And, uh, and so we started talking, brainstorming, and we came up with Teacher Art Professionals. Um, there's a group of, you know, quote unquote ambassadors, other educator influencers who also have been uh, gracious enough to help us and, and kind of really are working to form this idea. Um, and we have, you know, a long-term vision of it and, and kind of we're breaking in different phases. And right now the phase is we're going to issue out business cards to teachers. So Vistaprint is one of our early partners and they're going to be donating 1500 business cards for free. And then they're going to be giving away or, or allowing educators to purchase anything through Vistaprint for 50% off wow. for any supply they need. Um, so we're going to be doing that. And then, so what you're saying is one of the big things with ed tech um, is, you know, if a teacher wants to purchase it, uh, it you know, it could be cost a hundred dollars for a subscription for a year. And we're doing a survey right now. We've been for the past few months. We have a little over 7,000 responses already. Um, and one of the questions, the survey is how many ed tech tools do you use in your classroom? And right now about 75, 80% of them are using more than 15 ed tech tools in their classroom. So if we put $100 on average for one tool, that's $1,500 just to get technology in the classroom. That's not even including the pens and papers and supplies that the average teacher spends about five, $700 on. So that's you know, $2,500, $2,500 that a teacher is spending just to equip their students with the innovative tools that they're going to need to, to evolve. And so one of our goals is we want to collectively bring all these teachers together and say, look, we're going to go to partners. We have, again, 80-plus partners and others, and say, can you guys come together and say, instead of giving you know teachers a teacher site uh, price, let's give teachers a district site price. Um, let's, bring them to your, let's bring them to your platform. Let them experience the premium product uh, and give them you know, not 20% off, but maybe 70 80% off um, and bring that whole district pricing on a volume scale to teachers from – multiple districts um and so how, it's, it's, how are you going to pull that off you're going to basically just feed all into to one site like is there if a teacher wants to say you know i want to jump on board with this do they go to a site and register with you guys yeah so right now we're, we're about to actually uh in a little bit announce the first phase and the first phase is going to be uh, we're going to create a a very quick and easy way um where teachers just put in their name click a button and then we are automatically going to build a page for them it takes two seconds the page will automatically go live. Um, in there, it's going to say, you know, part of my goal of what I'm raising for is a bundle package to these five ed tech companies who are the first five companies who've said they're going to, um, you know, jump on board and, and really believe in the mission of what we're doing. And then basically, once the teacher raises the money for that, um, we're going to order the products from the companies. The company's going to give them the, their license uh, within, you know, 24, 48 hours. And then anything they raise more than that for what it costs to get the EdTech bundle, we're going to give them an Amazon gift card. And they can go on Amazon. They can buy whatever they want. They're not going to be restricted to the vendor. If they want to buy stuff for their students, uh, there's obviously no better marketplace than Amazon to get the best discounted prices 
you know, in one-stop shop. So um, we're about to release a first phase of Teachers Are Professionals in the next few weeks. So, so I'm probably a little ahead of you then on, on an actual like site and everything. But I guess if somebody wants to keep up with the Teachers Are Professionals uh, project, follow maybe Alice Keeler or you on Twitter. Is that right? Follow us. Follow Alice Keeler. Search the hashtag Teachers Are Professionals on Twitter. Um, and, and when we start making the announcements, uh, every time we make an announcement, it's going to be on that hashtag. Alice will, will push it out. We'll push it out. Um, a lot of our ambassadors like Steve Isaacs. Uh, Laura Gilchrist, Beverly Ladd, etc. will also be uh, uh, helping support and, and pushing it out to their networks as well. Great. Uh, yeah, if you want to find Alice Keeler, she's at, at Alice Keeler. What's your uh, Twitter handle? Do you know offhand? Uh, we are at Pledge Sense. Uh, mine is a little longer. Mine's at Andy Shea underscore Sabco. So it's a little longer, but Pledge Sense is just simply at Pledge Sense. Great. And then the website, if anybody wants to check out Pledge Sense uh, for their next fundraising project, that's just PledgeSense.com. Well, yeah, it- it's just PledgeSense.com. If they have any questions, they can contact me. Um, it takes two seconds to sign up. It's free. We say nothing to lose, funds to gain. So whatever like we can it. do to help, we're here to help. I like it. Andy Shea, are you ready for our pop quiz? Let's do this. Let's have fun. All right. Uh, if a student could only go to school for one subject, which subject should it be? PE. <laughs> why is that? that you, you might be the first one that said that, so I got to ask why. I'm, I'm a sports guy. I played basketball my whole life. I, I loved PE. That was my favorite subject, if we consider it one, so I'm going to go with PE. All right. Um, what are we not teaching in school that we should be teaching? Uh, creativity. Um, creativity, I think. What does every child deserve? Equal opportunity. What's the biggest challenge for today's educators? Bureaucracy. What's the best gift to give an educator? Uh, Acknowledgement and appreciation. Which teacher changed your life? Ooh, uh, I have a lot of them. Um, I want to say my fourth grade teacher, Miss Lever, probably she, she was my track coach as well. But she was the first one who was really, you know, supporting and, and pushed me from becoming a C student to a B student to an A student and, and worked with me. And then I had one in high school, Miss Dixon, who's like my second mom, who, who basically helped with uh, uh, getting me a golden English, which if, it, if you know, you knew me, uh, that was far-fetched idea. So, and I think um, I think you might have cut out right when you said the second teacher's name. What was it again? Miss Dixon. Uh, Miss Dixon. Yeah, she was my high school English teacher, and she was uh, my second mom, and she's been amazing. So I, I would say her as well. Great. Um, and last question: pen or pencil? Pencil. You can erase it. Nothing's ever set in stone with pencil. So. <laughs> Again, Bad ideas can be erased. Again, Andy Shea, we appreciate your time. The company is uh, PledgeSense at PledgeSense.com. And you can also uh, keep an eye out for uh, more momentum with Teachers Are Professionals. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. That's going to do it for this episode of Class Dismissed. We want to hear from you, so if you want to send us an idea or a comment, remember you can always email us at info at classdismissedpodcast.com. We're here to support educators, but we need your support as well. So if you like what you heard today, please be sure and hit that subscribe button, and we'd also love it if you'd leave us a five-star review. Don't forget you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash classdismissedpodcast or on Twitter. Just search for us by typing in Class Dismiss. On behalf of Russ with School Status and Lissa representing all the teachers out there, I'm Nick Ward. 
more to go, and I'll talk with you next week. Class dismissed.